Welcome to the Critical Futures Podcast. It's critical because the time is now to conjure the world and communities we want to live and thrive in. But it's also futurity, or the intentional imagining and materializing of liberated futures, where freedom from oppression, trauma, violence, and discrimination are realized. In this series, The Future Of, we chat with experts in various sectors to learn about what they are doing to shift the critical now for a radical new future. I am Dr. Amber Johnson, Executive Director of the Institute for Healing Justice and Equity, and I will be your host for this episode. Welcome. Greetings, Critical Future podcast subscribers. I am here today with the one and only Tokozani Mwana of Joburg, South Africa. And today we are talking about the future of queering and transing the world. How are you today? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Amber. I am so excited to be here. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm excited for this conversation. Um, I'm excited for the future. Um, and so, yeah, so we're doing good this side. It's, it's been, uh, tough days, but we, we are looking forward. So when you say you want to queer and trans the future, tell our audience what that means to you. You know what? Um, for me, I think transing and querying the future is stepping outside of what we know and what we've led, we've been led to know, um, and turning it on its head, playing with it. Um, you know, I imagine putty and like taking putty and, you know, you play with it with your hands and you throw it against the wall and you do all of these weird and wonderful things and you build structures with it and you break them down. And, um, for me, that's what transing and querying means, right? We talk a lot about um, gender interrogation and the importance of gender interrogation. And that usually only happens in queer spaces or trans spaces because, um, a lot of people feel like they don't need to interrogate their existence because they already exist as the norm. Right. Um, but my future and the future I see for us is this thing of removing ourselves from what the norm means and playing with it play with your future play with yourself like figure let's figure this life out together and the only way we're going to do that is if we take that putty and we build something exceptional and that's what i'm and that's what i mean when i say you know we need to trans and queer the future i love this idea of playing whether it's playing with putty playing with ourselves playing with each other Play really is a lens to a different future, right? Because it gives us license to just be silly. Mm. And there are moments where I wish the the political now could just be a little bit silly, right? So let's let's talk about some of the work that you've been doing um, to address the anti-trans and anti-queer legislation happening. And so when we think about you know anti-queer and anti-trans legislation. I'm sure South Africa is the last place to come to people's minds, right? Because it has a reputation of being extremely forward-thinking and progressive around, you know, queer and trans social identities. So let's talk about this push, both in the U.S., how it's paralleling different countries in Africa, and how that is now sort of bleeding into 
and to where you are in South Africa? Yeah, absolutely. So what we are seeing is an increase in the anti-gender movement um, globally, right? We're seeing it in the US, we're seeing it in the UK, and we're seeing it on the continent here in Africa. And um, it's a very scary thing because of how hard and fast it's all been happening, right? If we, if there's been this progression, the slow progression, and then all of a sudden we woke up and laws were popping up everywhere, you know, and conversation, very scary conversations were being had. Um, and so what we're seeing is this, this funneling of anti-LGBTIQ plus rhetoric, you know, from the West and, and it's existed in Africa since colonialism. So it's not anything new, but it is being, the fire is being fanned, you know, by what's happening in the West. Um, and it is encouraging um, more harmful engagement um, in Africa. Uh, we are seeing, you know, African states being um, funded and led by uh, conservativist um, organizations to write these bills, to introduce these bills into parliament. We, we've seen it in Uganda. We're seeing it happen in Kenya. We're seeing it happen in Ghana. And what this is doing and what always happens is there's always that ripple effect, right? It's country number one starts. And if they can accomplish this very scary thing, it gives other countries within that region and then spreads across um, the unmitigated goal to continue pushing this very harmful um, agenda. And so what we're seeing is, you know, the anti-LGBTIQ plus movement, um, the anti-gender movement that, you know, all of this rhetoric and violence against um, the queer community is it's increasing and it's accelerating at a very scary pace. Um, and again, people look at South Africa, you know, South Africa is the first country that had, you know, LGBTIQ plus rights in its constitution. And, you know, since 1996 and amazing. You know, very progressive country, very progressive constitution, but um, it doesn't change social perceptions. It doesn't change, you know, um, con conservative ideas. And I think that's where we kind of forget that, yes, we can be protected by the law, but we're not protected from people. We're not protected from their ideas, you know. And we're seeing that in um, South Africa, a very recent example I can give. Um, <laughs> There is a, um, a food and clothing store called Woolworths in South Africa, and um, they decided to do a pride campaign for this month. And the backlash, Woolworths is a brilliant brand, and, you know, well, brilliant brand in South Africa in that, you know, people access it often. Um, and... They did this pride campaign and they got this massive backlash on Twitter um, for days, unending backlash on Twitter for days. People were chopping up their rewards cards and posting it. They were talking about how, like, this was an abomination and, you know, they, they will no longer be supporting rewards and, 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 and. And that's how it starts, right? That's how, when people are allowed to be able to say and do these things without any consequences, this is how it starts. 
this is how it started in Uganda. This is how it started in Kenya. This is how it started in, in Ghana. It was people finding the power to be able to say things like this, get away with it, and then turn those words into action. And that's what we're seeing across the continent, across the globe. And it's very terrifying. I loved what you said. You know, policies, laws don't change people. They don't change culture. And, and they don't protect us from the people and the culture, right? Um, so talk to me about some of the work you're doing to try to create that cultural transformation alongside policies so that we're not just protected on paper. Yes, agreed. So a lot of my, um, I, I tend to separate my work in, you know, day job work and my creative work. And a lot of my work obviously does involve um, work around advocacy, policy change, et cetera. Um, but that's not the work I'd like to talk about today. The work I'd like to talk about today is my creative work. Um, and again, I guess we bring play into it. And something that I have been working towards is playing with words, playing with images, playing with my own existence in a way that makes it makes my existence accessible, relatable, and common in existence, in society, in, in living, right? Um, I, want, I don't want to be a spectacle. spectacle. I want to be, um, I want to be regular. I want to just be this person who exists. <laughs> and that's what informs my work right now. And I think it's it what informs the, the greater um, ideas around what I want for my community, what I want for my transness, transness, what I want for my queerness, is I want it to be regular. I want people to be completely unbothered. Um, by my existence. And so a lot of the work that I have been doing has been um, around writing. I've been creating um, some work around gender interrogation, my own gender interrogation. I recently released a book um, in 2022 called A Gender Daydreams. And it was like in the peak of <laughs> my gender dysphoria, confusion, you know, everything else. And I wrote a series of essays and erotic poems, um, which also ended up in those books. But it was this really fun exploration of like, who the hell am I and what the hell am I doing here? Um, and it was silly. I wrote about how a lot of my aesthetic comes from, is informed by anime. I love to watch anime. And so like a lot of anime characters, you know, come across genderless and that's important for me. So I'm showing up like an anime character <laughs> at my nine to five because it's important for people to read me as genderless the way I read anime characters as genderless. Um, you know, I talk about, you know, my queerness and my attraction to men and how that's kind of, yes, it's attraction, but is it gender envy? Like, am I, do I want you? Do I want to be you? You know, I, I talk about my attraction to women and, and, do I like you or is it safe being with you because of my proximity to femininity and the way people perceive me? And, you know, my, my desire for other, to be with other marginalized identities, like 
where do we fit in with each other? How do we play together? And like, what does sex look like for me now that I, my body is different and I feel different? And what does the world look like after all of these moments and these processing, um, processings? And that for me was such an important project because I wanted to show what real life looks like in my mind and I wanted to share it. And it was so interesting because there were so many people who reached out to me afterwards and they were like, you put so many words in my mouth that I needed. Like I didn't have the language and a lot of that book made up words. I, I made up so many words in there because there was no language that existed for me, you know? And I was like, you know what, come hell or high waters, I'm going to make sure that whatever I want to say is going to come across and we're going to play with it. It's going to be silly. It's not going to make sense. And sometimes it's incoherent. And I remember releasing it and feeling so anxious because I was like, I don't know how this is going to be received. And I, and I hope I'm doing my community justice by talking about these things because there's something sacred also, right? And, and something that you want to protect with your community where you're like, if I share this with people, how are they going to use this against but I had to trust that what I was putting out in the world was going to do more good than harm. And thankfully, it did. You know, um, people were messaging me saying, I've just had a, 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 a gender discovery or an ungendering. And I, you put into words what I feel about my sexuality. And, you know, the things you wrote in those poems, oh, my gosh, I'm going to try them. And I'm like, yes, you know, this is. This is us taking that putty and playing with it, throwing it on the wall, reconstructing things, building things up. And, and that's definitely a project where I, I feel like I poured in a lot and, and I received tenfold. Everything you just said, I, I, obviously our, our listeners can't see my face, but I've been smiling <laughs> for 13 minutes <laughs> nonstop. Everything you said is just so beautiful. The, the idea of, of ungendering and unlearning, you know, how, mm. what does it look like to unlearn the things that were we inherited so we can learn who we are in a moment? Right, because who we are is constantly shifting and constantly growing. I love the use of putty as a metaphor because putty is never the same. Absolutely, and it's not just because we manipulate it, but it's the 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 just touching it. Our fingerprints are left in it, right? And then every our DNA is there now, and then every person who touches it before and after, and our bodies are just like that, right? We are we are touched and therefore changed and transformed by every interaction. And so what does it look like to surround ourselves with people who just want to listen, learn, unlearn, relearn, and not um, control and not manipulate? Um, would you be open to sharing one of your poems with our audience? <laughs> I absolutely can do that. Okay. I will, I will bring both books and um, I will share one and potentially just read you the other as a teaser and then we can <laughs> crop things up. Right. Um, okay. So 
this is one of the books. It is called The Sunflower Faces East at Dawn. Um, sweet little chat book inspired by my obsession with um, sunflowers. And it's very much a reflection on what it means to exist. Um, and for me, what it means to exist is to exist like a sunflower, always following the sun, always following hope, right? So that's very much what this book was about. I will read you, I think this is the first poem. Yes, it's the first poem of the book in three, four parts. And part one is called Coming In. And yeah, Call Me Boy was a reflection on my discomfort and desire around wanting to use quote-unquote typically masculine pronouns and how I aligned, I aligned with he, him, um, but I would not consider myself a man or masculine and how I had to break down my own understandings of and my own conditionings of gender, um, words, <laughs> Words have meanings, but do they really, you know, um, and, and all of that to get comfortable with being able to call myself boy um, and the request of asking others to call me boy. Call me boy. There is movement in this body. A softness that travels, birthing sunflowers from my mouth. Call me prissy. Call me boy. Fragmented memories piece together the mirror that whispers. Most times I am uncertain of what I reflect. But call me boy anyway, I say. Deep desperation is overwhelming, but deep desperation is set on unraveling what is left of threads that kept me together, or rather confined. And I welcome it. I welcome it. Soft utterances bring parts of me to life. So call me prissy, call me boy, and the pieces will fall into place. Because there are secrets under my tongue, hidden and ashamed. And I promise, I don't want to hate what keeps me alive, but I can hate what keeps you here, in this moment, refusing to call me prissy, refusing to call me boy. Undo what your eyes want to see. Snap synapses, bathe in acid, and join me in understanding myself. The echo that lived in my throat, scratched to get out, forcing silence and forcing pain. I became accustomed to strangling it until my fingers broke. Left with nothing, I called out and wept. Tears poured from a yawl that escaped it and in the moment I knew relief when it called me pretty, when it called me boy. Like insert all of the sound effects here, KJ. I need massive claps and snap sound effects. Oh, <laughs> that is the 
following the sun, always following hope. If that is not the theme of querying and transing the future, I don't know what is, right? Because the, the ability to find home in your body, when the world tells you your body should not even exist, that is following sun and finding hope, like period, right? And, and then to Absolutely. do that publicly, that's why I love what you said. There are secrets. Did you say there are secrets under my tongue? Yes. And and so to 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 do it inside the body that is home is already a, a massive accomplishment. It's already beautiful. And to do it publicly, that's just a whole nother layer of beauty and and love and joy and just I mean, it's also terrifying, right? Like let's not romanticize. This coming into oneself is this just beautiful journey where everything's wonderful all the time. Um, there's a reason sunflowers shift towards the sun, right? <laughs> there's a reason. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, the line, I don't want to hate what keeps me alive. Ooh, tell, tell me about that line. That, that line hit somewhere deep in all my feelings. <laughs> that line you know it's so funny because I write things and I never read them back <laughs> so I'm reading this for the first time in months and I'm like oh my god um <laughs> that was a that was the worst and the best line for me when I was writing the poem and um the worst because it brought up so much pain and agony and discomfort and hurt and sadness and grief. Um, the poem after this one is called Escaping Womanhood. And something that I've been very vocal about has been how difficult for me in my version of agenderness and my version of non-binaryness has been the imposition of womanhood on me because it's never felt like something that was mine. Like I just I, I've never related to it. It's always been so difficult, right? Um, and we talk a lot about killing off versions of ourselves and, and becoming these people. And yes, like it's, it's a romantic idea that, you know, you become. Um, but the process of that is really painful. And I think that that was something that I had to really reflect on was that, you know, um, I had a very visceral reaction towards womanhood and I couldn't find um, a middle ground of acceptance or I couldn't find anything other than this visceral feeling. And so um, that line was an ode to womanhood. It was, it was my, my thank you. It was my, this is what has kept me alive. It, this, was, this is how people have known me. This is who I've been to, to so many people in my life. And as much as I've hated it, people have loved me at some point in this version of myself. Um, and so it's kept me alive. And I have to, for me personally, I don't think, you know, everybody has to, but for me, I was like, I can honor that. Like, I can, 
I can choose, I can still feel like I, it doesn't suit me and I don't like it, but I'd like to honor that. Um, and so it was definitely pulling teeth when I wrote that line because I was like, Ooh, do I really want to put this there? But I was kind of like, you know what? I, it kept me alive. Yeah. And so I, wow. I have two very big thoughts, and let me see if I can articulate these for our audience well. Um, the first one, when we first met, we, we had a very similar conversation, and we sort of bonded over the, these moments. And this was some years ago. I, I don't remember, maybe two, three years. I don't know. Because, <laughs> like, COVID, I don't know. Yeah, three years ago. <laughs> what happened to the time? I don't know. It stopped. It kept going. It sped up. It slowed down. It just got really weird. But I remember this this parallel of having to unlearn femininity because I, I, I did not want that thing. I, I, I had, a, like you, a very visceral reaction to womanhood. And so much of it was around circumstance. You know, I, I used to think, myself, mm-hmm. I love to be able to walk down the street in this body and not fear being sexually assaulted um, and, and, and catcalled and, and just, you know, verbally and emotionally abused. Um, but, but it's funny too, because I think our processes, we had very similar processes, but we ended up in very different places on the spectrum, right? I lost everything feminine so that I could relearn it on my own. And I love femininity, but I do not like womanhood, Mm. right? And so I think if I were to, you know, have a similar poem, it'd probably be like, if you call me girl, at least call me handsome. You know, because <laughs> I, I don't want you to call me girl. Yes. <laughs> and this is from someone you know who's been called pretty my whole life, and I cringe every time. It's funny because when I was a child, my mother would say, "But Amber's smart too." <laughs> and the fact that our, you know, my my parent had to do that is ridiculous. Mm. You know, um, and I'm thankful for for her for always prioritizing who I am, not what I look like. Mm-hmm. Um, the second part of this, though, is a much darker moment for me. Um, and it has to do with the amount of trans women who are murdered every year. And this idea of I don't want to hate what keeps me alive, presenting femme, no matter if it's a little bit femme or a lot of bit femme, does keep us alive. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to honor, I want to honor all of the trans women who have been killed in 2023 and prior. Absolutely. Um, because womanhood and femininity did not keep them alive. It did the exact opposite, right? Because they did not live up to someone's expectation of what a woman is and should be. Absolutely. And so, yeah, listening to that line, I just, like I said, it really, it got me in all the fields. Um, there's so many just moments. There's, there's so many moments in that one line. Um, I am, I'm just, I'm kind of just floored at the moment. <laughs> I'm not usual, like, you know, the lost for words person. But... Oof. Ooh. Take a moment. Yeah, right. We can take a moment. Give our yeah, we can take a moment. moment. Like, sit with that. Mm-hmm. Um, oof. So let's play with Putty for a second. Yes. I want to know what, what, what Tokozani Mgwana's future looks like. If you could, if you could take the putty and put all of your love and sun and hope into it and throw it against the wall, what does our world look like in the future? Because that's where I want to leave our audience with. Oh, this world that 
You've spun so beautifully in your head. I want the, I want everyone to know so that they can help make that a reality. So throw that pity against the wall for me and build, build a vision. The vision, it is soft and it smells like cotton candy and there's love and community and care um, and honoring and gentleness. Um, there's transparency, there's honesty, there's hope, there's, there's people looking at each other, hoping to meet God. And I think that for me is what is so important, right? Whether we're religious, whether we're not, right? For me, I'm always like, I want to look at someone and hope to meet God in them. And that's what my future is. And that's what I'd like the future to be for all of us, is that we look at each other and we are so overwhelmed with love, with joy, with care, with beauty, with all of these incredible overwhelming feelings that like make you think holy crap like it is incredible to be alive and it's incredible to share this moment with these people um and that's that's the god i i'm looking to find in every person i meet um and yeah that god is is pink and and smells like cotton candy and is soft and um, and it's gentle and it's kind um, and it's funny and it's silly and it's all these wonderful things that draw me closer and draw me in and make me feel safe. Um, and that's what I'd like. I'd like for us to be able to find God in others and feel safe about it. You are the first person on this podcast to make me cry. <laughs> Oh my gosh, like I want to live in that world. I don't even like candy, but I will smell it forever if that's the So I just, I just want to say that line one more time and leave that with our audience. There's people looking at each other, hoping to meet God. I hope that's the title of your next book. Um, for our listeners who want to read more of Tokozani's work, we have links in the show notes. Please go out, purchase it, read it, love on it, use it to change your world and how you see yourself. Because my hope is that when you look in the mirror, you are also meeting God. Tokozani, thank you so much for being here, for inspiring us, um, and for creating some of that sun and hope that the sunflowers need to, even if only for a 30-minute podcast. I appreciate you and I appreciate your work. I'm just so thankful that you exist. Thank you so much. All right. That's a wrap. I can't believe I'm over here crying. <laughs> now I'm crying. <laughs> Can I get through the end of this? <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Critical Features Podcast. If you're feeling inspired and looking for more resources, please check out www.ihje.org backslash podcast 
for show notes and links to resources and to subscribe.